0: book of Revelation really be understood amidst all the prophetic language and mysterious symbols? How is it relevant to the 21st century? What is the controversy between good and evil all about? How and when will it end? These and many other questions will be answered, providing amazing clarity to the conditions we see in our world today. This seminar will bring you face-to-face with Jesus in a new and wonderful way, leading you to the most momentous decisions of your life. Welcome to Prophecy Seminar, the Book of Revelation. Here is your host, Pastor David Price.
1: It's my pleasure to welcome you to Session 16, and our topic tonight is an interesting one, and it's about the land of beginning again. What are we going to learn in session 16? We're going to answer the following questions. What is biblical baptism? Secondly, a searching question. Why don't we baptise babies? Number three, is it actually necessary to be baptised to be saved? Number four, what are new Christians to be baptised into? And number five, is re-baptism? ever appropriate or necessary. I believe the Bible should not be opened without seeking the blessing of God. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, again we have this awesome privilege to open your Holy Word, the ancient biblical writings, and to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, mine down deep into the Word, and we ask that you'll bless, guide, and direct us In Jesus' precious name, amen. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Revelation Prophecy Seminar. Session 16 is about biblical baptism. It's entitled The Land of Beginning Again. Years ago, a poet said, I wish that there were some wonderful place called the Land of Beginning Again where all my mistakes and all my heartaches and all my poor selfish grief could be dropped by like a shabby old coat at the door and never put on again. Friends, all of us have at times desperately wished for an opportunity to start all over again with a new clean record. The good news is the book of Revelation repeatedly offers uh, us the privilege of beginning anew. For example, in Revelation 1.5, Jesus tells us that evil washes from our lives so we can actually start over. Revelation 3.8 sets before us an open door to a new life. That's good news. Then in Revelation 10, 8-11, God's word explains that after bitter disappointment, we must begin afresh. And then Revelation 21, 5 promises that Jesus will make everything new. So friends, did you know that Jesus has lovingly provided for us a public ceremony in which the past is officially buried And a marvellous new life begins. Nothing in all the world compares with this great event for joy, satisfaction, peace and relief. This gift is priceless. So Jesus says that this momentous and meaningful experience is absolutely imperative for anyone who would enter his new kingdom. This magnificent event is called Baptism. Let's see what Jesus says about this vital matter. Friends, before we go there, I want to share with you five fascinating facts that have to do with Bible baptism. Number one, biblical baptism is actually a burial. More on that soon. Number two, baptism is for people who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, water baptism is an act of practical obedience. It's showing God that we're signing up with Jesus. Number four, baptism is actually the birth of the Christian. And number five, baptism means that we actually join Christ's body. That is his church. All right, I'm inviting you to join me for uh, section number one. Jesus Commanded Baptism, we're at the top of page two. If you're online, you can download the study guide under the description bar. Thank you so much for joining us. We're asking now, what is the gospel commission? The gospel is the good news that makes the heart to sing and the feet to dance. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus made it very, very clear, didn't he? He said to his disciples and followers, go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost we're asked in this question what is the gospel commission friends there is a very definite order of events here number one jesus said we are to teach the nations and the total text says in verse 20 that we are to teach them all things whatsoever jesus commanded us After teaching comes baptism. You know, today there are some Christian communities where you can be baptised immediately without any knowledge and without any biblical understanding. And it's kind of challenging in that you kind of wonder, do people know what they've signed up for and can they make a commitment if it's based on not knowing the requirements and challenges of God's word? So we ask now in question two, how important is baptism? The Bible's going to tell us it's critically important. The words of Jesus, he that believeth and is baptised shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned or lost. Friends, those words are very, very serious. So baptism is absolutely critical. It's crucial to the Christian. And so the promise is for those who believe and are baptised, then they are set apart for salvation. Those who choose not to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ after adequate knowledge shall be lost and they are the ones who will miss out on eternal life. You might be surprised to find that there are different forms of baptism being used today. Number one, there's immersion. The entire body submerged backwards in water. Number two, there's triune immersion, where the entire body is submerged face forward three times. Then there's the ritual of aspersion, which is sprinkling with water, a few drops. Part D is infusion, which is having water poured on you. Then E says having rose petals or salt sprinkled on you. Those are interesting rituals, aren't they? And part F is being anointed with oil. It's another way that some use for baptism. In G, having wine poured on you. I'm sure that's popular and a lot of people might be lining up for that. H is the dry cleaning method. There's no water used. It's very uh, ecologically sound. I, word spoken over the phone or sent by mail. Can be another form of baptism apparently. Um, J the Holy Spirit in one's life, and finally K a symbolic or figurative meaning, not involving a literal ceremony. Question four: At least fifteen ceremonies are called baptism today. Most people believe that any style or or type of baptism is acceptable as long as a person is sincere. But what does the Bible say about this? I'm going to slip back to Ephesians 4 and verse 4 before we get to verse 5. Paul write to the church at Ephesus, there is one body. That body he's referring to is the Christian church, the body of Christ. And then he says there's only one spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit. Just as you were called in your hope of your calling. we have been called by the Holy Spirit, to be a part of the church. Verse 5, there's only one Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. There's only one faith, that is the faith of Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus Christ. And there's only one form of baptism that the Bible approves of. So what does the Bible say about all of these different ways of getting baptised? The Bible very simply just spells out there's only one Lord There's only one faith and there's only one form of baptism that the Bible actually agrees with, that it actually authorises. We're at the top of page three. God recognises only one true form of baptism. All other forms are not really baptism at all. That's a pretty challenging thought. I'd like you to take some time to think about that. Question five, what does the word baptize actually meet, mean? And so in the Greek, we go to the Greek word baptizo. Baptizo has as its meanings to dip, to immerse, and to plunge under water. So it's interesting that these are the meanings of the word baptize or baptizo, to dip, to submerge, or immerse. Friends. It may be obvious, but some people don't realise that Bible baptism is actually meaning that one actually goes under the water. Some people aren't sure about baptism, so we can baptise somebody in a river or a lake or a swimming pool or a baptismal font in a church, and we say, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, before we baptise them, I now baptise you. And then they are to be put completely under the water because it symbolises something. And then they are raised to newness of life and there is tremendous joy. Our second heading is Jesus' perfect example. Question six, who is my example in everything, including baptism? We go to 1 Peter 2 and verse 21. Peter wrote, for even hereunto were... Ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. So, friends, Jesus is our example in everything, isn't he? And he's certainly our example in baptism. So, we need to be very clear on how Jesus was baptized. Question seven. What form of baptism did John use when he baptised Jesus? Did he use any of these salt or sprinkling or rose petal rituals? Let's have a look at Mark chapter 1 and verses 9 to 11. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. Now, friends, The Bible is very, very clear that baptism is always by immersion. There's no other way. And so we notice that it had to be done in the Jordan River, not on the bank, but in the Jordan River. Mark 1 and verse 10. And immediately Jesus was coming up from the water. Notice that. What is it? He was coming up from the water. He saw the heavens parting and the spirit descending upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. So we're being asked, what form of baptism did John use when he baptized Jesus? And the answer is very clearly and very simple. It just means that it was to be immersed and Jesus was put under the water. Please note here that John baptised Jesus in the Jordan River, not on its banks. Notice also that Jesus came up out of the water, which indicates he'd been down into the water. Virtually all churches agree that Jesus was baptised by immersion. But friends, I have to offer a caution here. Don't be misled by Hollywood movies like this one, Jesus of Nazareth, where John actually has Jesus kneel down and he gets a cup or a handful of water and just sprinkles it over Jesus' head. Friends, that is not biblical baptism. That ritual comes from tradition. Question number eight. When John at first refused to baptize Jesus, what did Jesus tell him? John became somewhat distressed, didn't he? Matthew 3, 13 to 17. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. Verse 14. But John forbade Jesus, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? John is saying, hey, Jesus, this is the wrong way round. Why don't you baptize me? I'm a sinner. And Jesus answering unto John said, Suffer it to be now so, for thus it becometh us to fulfil all righteousness. Meaning we have to do the right thing according to the scriptures and according to God. Then John baptised Jesus. And Jesus, when he was baptised, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That's absolutely beautiful, isn't it? Question eight. When John at first refused to baptise Jesus, what did Jesus tell him? Suffer it to be so now, John, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Friends, can you see that Jesus was staying by the will of the Father? He wasn't deviating from the rules and the commandments of the Father in any way. You know, Jesus did not need baptism, did he? He hadn't sinned. But he explained to John that all of us do. So to set us a perfect example for righteous living it was necessary that he be baptised. His baptism also serves for all, like the thief on the cross, who cannot be baptised. Friends, Jesus' baptism covers uh, extraordinary events, people who might be dying in car accidents or in a war or in other circumstances who don't have time to be baptised, but right at the end, give their hearts and lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. The temptation is for us to do that, to be like the thief on the cross and hold out to the last minute. But we just don't know if we'll actually have a last lucid minute to make that decision. Let's not play Russian roulette with the decision of baptism. Question nine, why did John baptize in Anon? We go to John 3 and verse 23 for a very good reason. Now, John the Baptist also was baptising in Anon near Salem because there was much water there and they came and were baptised. Friends, for those who want to suggest that Jesus was sprinkled, you'll notice the Bible was very, very clear that this was done in this place because there was much water there. Immersion demands deep water, doesn't it? For sprinkling or aspersion, or pouring infusion. Yeah, a 15-gallon gallon drum would baptise a small army. But John baptised in Anon because there was much water there. Question 10. Some say that the disciples changed the method of baptism. What did Paul say about even angels who tried to teach something different from what Jesus taught? Now, you've looked up John 1, 8, 9, 10. And 11 and 12, let's just have a look at Galatians 1 and verse 8. Paul wrote to the church in Galatia in Asia Minor today, the area of Turkey. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be what? Let him be accursed. Friends, that's a very strong statement, isn't it? So anyone who deviates, who changes God's word or tries to teach other people something different, they are accursed. That's pretty strong and confronting, isn't it? It Shows how God feels about the changing of his word. We're at the top of page four. Friends, Paul made it too clear to misunderstand. The curse of heaven would rest upon Man or angel? Any man or angel who attempted to change any teaching of Jesus? Question 11. Philip, an evangelist who preached after the ascension of Jesus, baptized the treasurer of Ethiopian. What method of baptism did he use? So, friends, I'm actually going to open my Bible here and take you to Acts Chapter 8, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 26. Please just reflect on these words from God. Now, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, Philip was an evangelist, wasn't he, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Gaza is on the coast in the land of the Philistines. This is desert. Verse 27. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, and he had charge of all her treasury. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning. 28, and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. 29, when the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. Verse 30, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And the man said, 31, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. Friends, that's a very, very interesting account. Verse 35, we jump to. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Friends, you know, when we are witnessing to people who have no faith in God, I wonder how many times we forget when sharing a teaching or a doctrine with them that Jesus is the hub from which all the spokes radiate. Jesus is the heart of the message. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, See, Philip, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? So he knew about baptism. Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, and you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Friends, that is the slab of rock which Jesus builds his church. This is the statement. If you say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, then you have professed faith in the Christ, the Messiah. That is one of the prerequisites before being baptized. You're signing up with Jesus. It's like a wedding to Jesus. And you need to know what the vows are and what he requires of you, that you are actually willing to go through that. Verse 38. So the Ethiopian treasurer, we don't have his name, commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Friends, this is no sprinkling. They go down into the water and he's baptized. Now, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Friends, it's my testimony of all the people that I've seen baptized or that I have personally baptized. There's a joy and a rejoicing that I will never forget. It's just great relief and great happiness to have given a public demonstration of a personal desire to follow Jesus Christ all the way. So we're asking what method of baptism did Philip, the evangelist, use on the Ethiopian treasurer, the eunuch? And the answer is totally consistent with scripture. It was immersion. Philip baptized the treasurer the same way that Jesus was baptized. We're going to our third heading of five. This uh, section is entitled, Baptism is Important. According to Jesus in question 12, how important is baptism in John chapter 3 and verse 5? Jesus uh, said these words to Nicodemus, the Pharisee who came by night. Jesus answered Nicodemus saying, verily, verily, or I swear a truth. I say unto thee, Nicodemus, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We're asking the question, how important is baptism? Friends, baptism is absolutely crucial. Jesus says, except a man be born of war in the spirit. Friends, I think that the spirit works on our hearts first. And after the Holy Spirit works on our hearts, and we start to understand and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, then comes the decision to be baptised. Without that, the scripture is very clear. We cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's absolutely tragic, isn't it? You know, Jesus said that water baptism is essential for salvation. And Jesus crossed, which all realise is of inestimable importance, is mentioned 28 times in the New Testament. On the other hand, baptism is mentioned over 100 times in the New Testament. Let none treat it as a non-essential. For at conversion, the change in a person is so radical and the turning point so crucial in a life that Jesus said the event must be officialized by the great ceremony of baptism. To demonstrate its importance, Jesus himself was baptized even though he was sinless and he didn't need to be. Then he concluded, then he included baptism as part of his great commission to the church. Let's remember the words of Jesus. In Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen: go ye therefore and teach all nations, so no one's excluded, baptizing them in the name, not the names, but the name, the one name of God, the name of God, the Father, and in the name of God, the Son, and in the name of God, the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? So, friends, we must be taught, we must know what God has asked of us, all requirements of love, and then we step forward under the power of the Holy Spirit into baptism. Since Jesus instituted only baptism, where did these other forms of baptism actually come from? Well, I'm pretty sure that you can guess, not from the Bible. Let's go to Matthew 15 and verse 9. What did Jesus say here? He was speaking about the Jews and their rituals. He said, but in vain they do worship me. Teaching for doctrines, teaching for the main beliefs of Scripture, the commandments of God? No way. He was saying that they're teaching and replacing God's commandments with the what? The commandments of men. In vain do they worship me. Friends, God can't receive worship that's counter to the commandments of the universe. In vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Friends, misguided men have introduced these other forms of baptism with no approval whatsoever from heaven. But history is clear that for centuries after the cross, baptism by immersion was the ordinary mode of baptism. Other forms of baptism were added because they are more convenient thus a god-given sacred ceremony has been shoved aside by human hands friends i want you to sit back and relax now we're going to take a break i'd like to give you a little history lesson because when you go back to the ancient churches they reveal the method of baptism used so let's go back to some of those early churches of the early centuries So, friends, I'm going to give you now a brief history of baptistries. I'm going to take you back in time to Philippi. Now, you remember that Paul established one of the early Christian churches there in the first century in Philippi. Now, these ruins do not date back to the first century, but they date back to the very early fourth and fifth centuries. Here are the ruins of one of the early Christian churches in Philippi. And note right in the middle, there is a baptistry where early Christians were actually baptized by immersion. Were there other places? There certainly were. Let's go to the city of Rome in Italy. Here is the second most famous church in Rome, St. John of Lateran. It's second only to St. Peter's Cathedral, the Vatican. In the back of St. John's, there is a baptistry there in Rome where adult believers were baptised by immersion. And while we're in Italy, I'm wondering if you know this famous architectural monument on the extreme right-hand side. Yes, it is the Leaning Tower of Pisa, not the Leaning Tower of Pizza, although the Italians make wonderful pizzas. So, friends, this place right there in the front, that huge dome, is very very famous in Italy but in the back of it of the leaning tower of pizza is this baptistry and it's here where our Roman Catholic friends for 1300 years practiced baptism of adult believers in baptistries in their churches actually by immersion another country is the capital city of Turkey When back in the Middle Ages, they carved out in these mountains some refuges. When church and state united, many Christians fled and they fled these cities. And as they were hiding inside these cities, they carved out in the mountains, chapels and churches. These Christians were being persecuted. Let's go into these hollowed out caves and see what you find. Well, here's a baptistry where Christians in the Middle Ages produced Practice baptism by immersion, never by sprinkling, never by pouring, always following very carefully the biblical method of baptism. Then we fly up to Russia, to Moscow's Red Square, where you have St. Basil's Cathedral. One of their early paintings is that of the Prince of Russia, Vladimir the Great, in a baptistry scene. The date here is 1088 AD. Here you're looking at a Russian baptistry scene of the king being baptized by immersion. You know, baptism in the Bible is always after people believe in Jesus Christ, always after they repent of sin, always after they accept the word of God. Baptism is never for babies throughout the Bible. It's always for adult believers as a symbol of commitment, faith, Uh, repentance and from sin. Now, you may ask, when did baptism of babies come in and how did it actually happen? Good question. Well, it's not until the Council of Ravenna back in 1311 that sprinkling and pouring were officially accepted as equally valid as immersion in the rite of baptism. So it took 1300 years after Christ until the official church of the Middle Ages, which was the Church of Rome, for the first time to acknowledge that baptism was best done by sprinkling and pouring. We therefore must remember that up until this time, people were always immersed, just like Jesus Christ was at his baptism. And so he, as our saviour, set a faultless example for all of us to follow. All right, let's go back to question number 14. But before we do, I just want to ask this question. I'm wondering if you have thought about how children were dedicated to God in New Testament times if they weren't baptized by water. Friends, some of you must know in Luke 2, 21 to 39, there's a story of Mary and Joseph taking baby Jesus to the temple. They were greeted there by the high priest, Simeon, and also the prophetess, Anna. And we'll be speaking about her in our next session, session 17. And so they greeted them there. So friends, there's a precedent for children to be dedicated to the Lord, but not baptism. So loving parents bring babies and young children to their local church where they ask their minister to act in the role of Jesus and place a prayer and a blessing on that little child. So friends, I thought that that might be of interest to you. We're in question 14 at the top of page 5. Some say that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all that God requires. Is this actually true? So let's find out. We're going to Acts 10 and verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. So friends, this is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and the manifestation was tongues of fire, and they actually were able to speak in foreign languages to people who could not understand because they were not of the local languages. And those of the circumcision meaning and those of the hardline Jews who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift, the gift of tongues of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on who? The Gentiles also, friends, the Jews were horrified that God was sharing the precious gift of the baptism, the Holy Spirit, not just on Jews, but now on non-Jews. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify or glorify God. Then Peter answered the Jews saying, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? We're in Acts 10.48. And Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Now, friends, the question that we're asking some say the baptism of the Holy Spirit is all that God requires. Is that true? No, it's not. Why? Let me ask you this question What happened before the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles? We go back to the first verse. We go back to where we started Acts 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who, what? heard god's word friends this is the main point some say the baptism the holy spirit is all that god requires This is true no it is not friends there are some necessary requirements that need to be done first so friends what are they well according to the bible before baptism a person must be taught They must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They must repent from their sins. They must turn away and forsake their sins. And they must accept Jesus Christ as their personal saviour. As the lesson guide says, firstly, they must be taught and accept all of Jesus' teachings. B, they must believe these teachings from their heart. C, they must repent. Seven times Revelation commands repentance. D, they must turn away from sin. And E, they must accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal saviour. So friends, here are three essentials for baptism. This will actually be in the quiz. I hope that you can remember them. We're going to summarise them. What are they? The main ones are to be taught God's word. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, teaching them to observe how many things? That's right. The scripture said, all things whatsoever I, Jesus Christ, have commanded you. So people must be taught all of God's word. They must be taught to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, King of kings and Lord of lords. And thirdly, they must be taught to repent, confess and forsake their sins. So three steps to baptism are number one. They must be taught of all the things whatsoever Jesus commanded. Number two, they must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And number three, They must repent of all their sins. I remember a lady telling me at a baptism I was conducting on the beach that she was baptised a number of years ago. She told me she wasn't attending church, but she was just walking her dog on the beach and she saw a baptism and she asked the pastor, can I be baptised? And he said, sure, sure, come in, I'll baptise you now. She wasn't asked to actually profess a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought that was interesting. That must be another one of those forms of baptism that the Bible has not approved of. We're in question 15, halfway down page 5, looking at is baptism is important. In light of the previous text, should infants be baptised? I'm wondering what your answer is. So we have to ask the question, can they be taught, can they believe and can they repent? The answer is obviously no. Let's think a little bit more about this. Since infants cannot comply with the above requirement of God, no minister has a right to baptise them. Friends, sin is not counted against a child until he's old enough to understand and be accountable. See John 9, 41 and James 4, 17, at which time the youngster should prepare for baptism. Friends, I just want to share this extra with you. You know, no babies were ever baptised in the Bible. This is why it's so unusual that something has sprung up which actually was never a biblical teaching. So what was Jesus' attitude to children? I think you know if you've read the New Testament, Jesus loved the children. He always asked that they would never be turned away. And he would take time to bless them. But he never ever commanded, nor did he himself ever baptize children. And I think we know why. Remember, how did this come into the Christian church? It was not until the Council of Ravenna, which was set up by the Church of the Middle Ages, the Church of Rome, in 1311 AD, that sprinkling and pouring were officially accepted as equally valid as immersion in the rite of baptism. Let's go to heading four, section four of five. Let's have a look at baptism and salvation in question 16. In Noah's day, the people were saved by getting into the ark. What does God provide today in place of the ark? We go to 1 Peter 3 and verse 20 and 21. This is an interesting picture, isn't it? You can see the animals in the ark and you can see Noah trying to plead with people to get on board. First Peter 3, 20 and 21. Speaking of the antediluvians, the people who lived before the flood and all the races there, which sometime were disobedient. Why were they disobedient? They didn't heed the call to get on God's ark of salvation. So these people were sometimes disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. How long did Noah preach for? Noah preached to those who lived before the flood, the antediluvians, for 120 years. That's a long time, isn't it? While the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is, how many souls were saved on the ark? Friends, it's hard to believe, isn't it? It's hard to believe that of those millions of people, some say billions, who lived before the flood, only eight people were saved. We're in 1 Peter 3 and verse 21. Peter says, The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, friends, there's a symbolization going on here. In Noah's day, the people were saved by getting into the ark. What does God provide today in place of the ark? So, friends, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. What does this mean? I'm at the top of page six. Friends, the ark in the water symbolised Noah's uh, safety in Noah's day, and a person in the waters of baptism symbolises the same in our day. In both cases, the heart must first be right. But a person whose heart is right and understands Bible baptism will be baptised Just as Noah and his family not only believed, but entered into the ark of safety. Friends, baptism is God's last day ark of safety. And this is the way by which God calls people into his church. Friends, it's not enough to applaud the lifeboat as we're drowning in a sea of sin. We actually have to get on board. Why? Because Jesus is passing by. And maybe he won't pass by us again. Let's take a moment to think and let the Holy Spirit encourage your hearts to get on board. Question 17, the top of page 6. With whom is a person united at baptism? We go to Galatians 3, verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. What does it mean to put on Christ? Friends, here is an illustration that shows us. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Friends, there's our answer. Once we're baptized, we have put on the Lord Jesus Christ as a robe of righteousness. Friends, baptism is, and I hope you remember this, it's uh, going to be in the quiz, Baptism is as essential to a Christian as the wedding is to a marriage. Both ceremonies must be based on deep seated love and a full understanding. If they're to be meaningful, to refuse baptism is to refuse to be united with the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, as it says on the screen, baptism is a symbol of what? Three things a commitment a loyalty and an allegiance to the Lord Jesus Christ and nobody else because he loves us more than anybody else. We can ever know. Question 18. Baptism is a public declaration of our relationship to Jesus. What is the experience of the person who is in Christ? We go to Second Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What is the experience of the person who's in Christ? He's a new creation or a new creature. You might remember last time in session 15, we studied together the good news and bad news about the judgment. You might remember the story of Tom. The lawyer said to Tom, Tom, you and I are going to spend a lot of time together. And as we spend a lot of time together, the things that you once loved, you will begin to hate. And the things you once hated, you will begin to love. Friends, that is a calling with the things of the world are calling off with the things of this world and becoming red hot for the things of the kingdom of God. Therefore, the Holy Spirit works in our heart to make us into new creatures under the power and baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we're looking at baptism and salvation. Some people worship on Sunday in honour of the resurrection. What did Jesus ask us to do in honour of his death, burial and resurrection? Some people think that we are asked to worship on Sunday. Let's be faithful to the text and find out what God is telling us, not what tradition says. Paul said to the church in Rome, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ, Jesus were baptized into his what? We were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Friends, when somebody is baptized and they go under the water, they take a last breath and they hold that breath till they come up when we die we take a last breath and then we sleep in the grave and that breath or that divine sparkle spirit returns to the Lord who gave it therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death and so there is another part of the equation baptism that just as christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father even so we also should walk in newness of life so as we come up out of that water we come up to a new life symbolically we are washed and cleansed and clean romans 6 5 for if we had been united together in the likeness of his death Certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Friends, what did Jesus ask us to do in honor of his death, burial and resurrection? He asked us to be baptized. Let's go to the top of page seven. You know, salvation centers in Jesus' death. Salvation centers in Jesus' burial. And salvation centers in Jesus' resurrection, First Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. You see, baptism by immersion incorporates all three. There is a death to sin, next a burial beneath the water, then a resurrection from the water to an entirely new life. No other form of baptism fits this symbolism. Thank God there's a grave between the Christian and his old life. Baptism is as important to my life as Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection are to salvation. See John three five. Friends, baptism is absolutely crucial for the Christian to move forward and be baptized in faith. The Bible is clear that those who are to be saved must become members of God's church. We go to Acts two hundred forty seven and It says, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were saved. Some people want to be baptised outside of a church. What does the Bible say about that? Well, let's have a look at it again. And the Lord added daily to the church. The numbers of people were added where? They were added into God's church daily those who were being saved. Very, very important point, isn't it? Rest of question 20. What public ceremony makes entrance into the church official? 1 Corinthians 12, 12 and 13. For as the body, meaning the body of Christ, the church is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Christ is one with his body, the church, even though there are many members and many Different types of people and different types of spiritual gifts. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether we were Jews or Greeks. For by one spirit, we were all what? Baptized into where? One body. Friends, there is an answer. Whether slaves or free and have all been made to drink into one spirit. We're asking what public ceremony makes entrance into the church official. The Bible says, for by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. We can't be baptized into anything else. Friends, baptism is the official act which makes one a member of Christ's body, and his body is his church, Colossians 1.18. Baptism is what Jesus Christ has made the sign of entrance into his true church. Now, let's pause a moment and think this through. Friends, Jesus Christ is the head of his body. He's the head of the Christian church. But I've heard people say that they don't want to be baptised into a church. They just want to be baptised into the Lord Jesus Christ. But my point is, friends, today that you can't be baptised into a headless body. That doesn't compute. You can't do that. Jesus is the head of his body and his body on the earth is the Christian church. If you only want to be baptized into Christ, but not the body of Christ, then you don't understand what baptism is and what God requires. Friends, let me remind you, if you've got a big bonfire burning and you take a coal out of that fire and as you get that coal away from it, on a shovel or with a stick, maybe your face is nearly blistering, take that coal away and place that out somewhere. What happens to the coal, assuming it's not (laughs) uh, a tender grass area? Friends, that coal will burn out. All of us need the brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, to help us to grow spiritually. We need to be there. Question 21, we're asking, is rebaptism ever proper? Well, this is a fascinating question because the Bible actually gives us an example of yes. We go to Acts 19, 1, written by Luke. Luke is writing about the missionary journeys of the apostle Paul. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, now Apollos, was one of the evangelists like Philip that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, the church at Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Acts 19.3, And Paul said unto them, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. John who? John the Baptist, baptism of repentance. And Paul said unto them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. Then, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, is baptism ever proper? Absolutely. The Bible says that these disciples had never heard of much more than the baptism of repentance from John the Baptist. They didn't know any of the doctrines or any of the major teachings. So, yes, friends, baptism is proper when major New light is received. Let me give you a little bit more on that. So, rebaptism is appropriate when accepting new core doctrines of the scriptures, like, say, God's law, the Ten Commandments, the biblical diet, the Genesis diet, the Sabbath, the state of the dead, and Jesus as our high priest, lawyer, and judge in the heavenly sanctuary that the judgment's on. And then Jesus comes back in the second coming of Christ. So, yes, rebaptism is proper when major new light is received we're at section five of five baptism pleases jesus question 22 once a person has met jesus's conditions for baptism how soon should he be baptized i think this is a really good question why are you waiting arise and be baptized and wash away your sins Friends, as once a person has met the conditions for baptism, how soon should he be baptised? I would say, as soon as possible, at once, immediately, with no delay. None of us know if we've got tomorrow. Let's choose to be baptised. I've actually just been reminded of a story, of uh, yeah, a guy who was a truck driver, and. Um, He called in to see one of my friends who was an elder of a local church and the truck driver's name was Lindsay. And he said to my friend, the elder, he said, Ray, we've been doing studies for a lot of time, but I just feel today is the day that I've got to be baptised. So Ray said, well, really, like today? And he said, yeah, I just feel I've got to be baptised. So Ray uh, took. Uh, Lindsay to a place where he could baptize him by immersion. And then they had a prayer together. And uh, Lindsay had received all the teachings of scripture, but he'd been holding off, holding off, holding off for years. I think Lindsay was waiting until he was perfect. And you know what? If we wait until we're perfect, we'll never be baptized. We have to move ahead in faith. A few hours later, Ray got a call from a family member saying, did Ray know what happened to Lindsay? And Ray said, no, I, he just left here. He was driving his truck out east. And the family member said that Lindsay had had a heart attack and he'd hit a tree and he'd been killed. And Ray said, no, no, that I can't be. I, I've just seen him. But after the shock wore off, he was able to share with the family member that the last action, the last decision that Lindsay had made was a decision to... Serve the King of Heaven. I just absolutely love that story. And let's not put off our decision for baptism. We just don't know if we've got tomorrow. Question 23, when I refuse baptism, whose counsel am I rejecting? Luke 7 and verse 30. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the counsel of who? The counsel of God against themselves. Yes, they did. Being not baptized of him, they were not following John the Baptist's baptism. Friends, when I refuse baptism, whose counsel am I rejecting? The whole of Scripture. I'm rejecting the counsel of God. 24, when Jesus was baptized, what did the Father in heaven say in Mark 1 and verse 11? And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Friends, the father was saying that I approve of what the son is doing. Jesus had no sin in him. He was going to have our sin on him on the cross. And so the father says, I love him because he's setting the example. He's showing the way to go. Question 25. When people follow Jesus in baptism by immersion today, he still says, I am pleased with you. Wouldn't you like to prepare for this sacred ceremony so Jesus can be pleased with you and your baptism? I'm going to say, yes, Lord Jesus, absolutely. And uh, I want to thank God that many years ago I was baptised and it was such a brilliant experience. Over 40 years ago, I made that decision to follow the Lord Jesus all the way and I believe it was the beginning of a whole series of wise decisions as I came under the power of the Holy Spirit. I love Acts 22 and verse 16 in the New International Version. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Friends, in our session this number tonight, we started with our five discovery questions. We asked, what is biblical baptism? I'm going to ask you now. What is the only way the Bible authorizes us to be baptized? And you said only by immersion, correct. Number two, why don't we baptize babies? We very clearly discovered and discussed that babies have to be would have to be taught believe or repent. And that's just not possible in those early ages. Number three, is it necessary to be baptized? Absolutely, Mark sixteen, sixteen says. He that believeth and is baptized, the same shall be saved. Number four, what are new Christians to be baptized into? Many want to be just baptized into Jesus in a private ceremony. By the way, baptism is a public declaration to draw other people to Jesus. It's not a private ceremony. I've had people ask me for a private baptism. I've said, no, you don't understand what baptism is a public declaration. What are new Christians to be baptised into? Jesus Christ as he is the head of his earthly body, his church, Colossians 18. And we've asked the question again, is re-baptism ever appropriate? Absolutely, we've discussed it, if major new truths have been learned. Friends, if you're thinking about baptism tonight, I want to remind you that baptism doesn't mean you're perfect as the story of Lindsay. Lindsay wasn't perfect. He was putting off baptism for years. He was waiting until he got his life sorted out. Friends, you choose Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will sort out your life. Baptism doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're committed. You made a decision. And Jesus will say about you what the Father said about him in his baptism. This is my what? Beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased i have three response questions for you tonight number one if you understand that baptism by immersion is the only method of baptism mentioned in the bible i'm going to ask you to please place a tick in box number one number two if you're already baptized sometime in the future the biblical way sorry if you are ready to be baptized sometime in the future the bible way and respond to the command of jesus christ I'm going to ask you to tick box number two. And number three, if you love Jesus and have been baptised, but somehow from all that you're learning, you'd like to be rebaptized, you might like to tick box number three. If you're not ticking any boxes and doing the quiz, I'm asking you to send me an email with your decision. Please send me an email and let me know that you've made that decision, that you want to honour Jesus and let all heaven know that you're signing up to be baptised. All right, well, let's go into our quiz questions. Tonight is fill in the missing word. And we will give you the answer as we go through each question. So lock in your answer quickly. Number one, this was a line in the lesson in one of the notes. Baptism is essential. Baptism is as essential to a Christian as a W is to a marriage baptism is as essential to a Christian as a W is to a marriage. Lock your answer in now. And the answer is, all the people said, it's as essential as a wedding. Too easy. Number two, Jesus said that unless we're baptised by water, our choice, and the Spirit, his choice, we something enter into his kingdom beginning with C, We something enter into his kingdom beginning with C. Please lock in your answer. Here's the answer Jesus said that unless we're baptized by water, our choice, and the Spirit his choice, we cannot enter into his kingdom. Now we're going to go to questions three, four, and five. All in question three, before a person is baptized, the following must take place. Number one or number question uh, three is one person, we must be something beginning with T. We must be. Write it down. The second one is we must, starting with B. And number five, we must do something beginning with R. Lock in your answers for T, B, and R. Before a person is baptised, the following must take place. Lock in your answers. Here are the answers now. We must be taught, Jesus said, teaching them to absorb all things. We must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. As the son of God and our saviour from sin. And number five, we must repent from all of our sins and ask for overcoming power that those sins might have no more power over us. Well, friends, tonight we learnt what about Bible baptism? We learnt that Bible baptism is by immersion. And it's just really quite simple, isn't it? In session 17, we're going to deal with modern prophets and visions. There seem to be so many different voices today on the internet, on the different um, YouTube derivatives. People saying this, people saying that, people saying this is a prophecy from Scripture. How do we sort it all out? In what three main ways does God speak with his prophets? We're going to answer that. Number two, what two types of prophets are actually mentioned in Scripture? Number three, name the main Old Testament test of a prophet. Number four, what is the main purpose of the gift of prophecy? And number five, what are the two main characteristics of God's last day remnant church? Gracious Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this beautifully simple and simply wonderful teaching of baptism by immersion. And Father, if we think about it as we go under the water, symbolically, we're washed clean and all our sins are washed away. Tonight, Lord, I believe that many people listening to this presentation have made the decision to be baptised. They are learning your word. They believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They've tested you through prayer. And now they say, yes, I want to follow Jesus all the way and be baptised in a public expression of my faith in him. I'm asking right now that the Holy Spirit will seal them with the seal of God that they might understand what baptism is and they might move forward in faith and be baptized i ask this in jesus precious and powerful name let all the people say amen i'd like to thank you so much for joining us for our session number 16 look forward to sharing with you session number 17 in our next session so friends after tonight we only have 8 lessons left. We are two-thirds of the way through the Revelation Prophecy Seminar. There are 24 sessions and now there are only eight left. The time has gone very quickly. I hope it's been a great blessing to you. So I'd like to say thank you and goodbye until next time.
0: You've been listening to Prophecy Seminar. The Book of Revelation with Pastor David Price. For more information about this series, you can visit the YouTube page, True Blue SDA, All one word, that's True Blue SDA.
1: This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.